the book of Micah. This evening, as we make our way through the Bible, Micah chapter 3. And we remember that the book of Micah is made up of three sermons, so to speak, or prophecies that Micah delivers uh, principally to the southern kingdom of Judah, but he also speaks to uh, the judgment that was going to come upon the northern kingdom uh, of Israel as well. And so he continues now his uh, message, and uh, in chapter 3 he continues it with his message to, of judgment to uh, the wicked uh, rulers or judges or leaders that were uh, uh, making uh, mincemeat, literally, as we uh, look at it here, of uh, the people that they were ruling. Now, hear, O heads of Jacob, and again, God just hates that. Um, he hates anybody that uses wealth or anybody that uses power. Um, he hates it when people like that do that to take advantage of the poor and the powerless. And when, they, when that is done unrighteously in order to fleece people or, again, as we saw last week, simply because uh, they can. Now hear, O heads of Jacob, and you rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know uh, justice? So he's not talking about prophets here. He's not talking about kings. He's talking about the judges that sat outside of uh, the cities in, in Israel where people would come to them with their disputes or with their problems or with their uh, issues in order to have those disputes uh, handled based upon the Word of God. And so this was an official position that they had and, uh, and the intent was simply that these men would look to the Word, say, what does the Word of God say about this? Deliver that to the people. Not everyone had, uh, even remotely had Bibles like we do to look it up on our, on our own. And uh, so that was the, the position that they had uh, there to administer justice. And uh, is it not for you to know justice, you who hate good and love evil? Now that's a bad judge. Uh, you, uh, either one of those is bad. You get them in a combination, and that's somebody that should not be a judge. If there is no God, uh, that kind of person should not be a judge. But certainly not because, uh, uh, not when there is a God. And then he describes the, uh, the effect that these, uh, these heads of Jacob, these rulers, had upon the people with their... Uh, hating uh, good and loving evil judgments, who stripped the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, uh, who also eat the flesh of my people, flay their skin from them, break their bones, chop them in pieces like meat for the pot and like flesh for uh, the cauldron. And so they were leaving in their judgments, they were leaving God's people uh, skin and bones, they were 
uh, treating them and, uh, and uh, like uh, as, as God likens it here, Micah likens it to the way that you would treat an animal that was uh, uh, being slain and, and then uh, preparation for uh, uh, being eaten. Or even most, more so, an animal being uh, destroyed by other animals out in, in the wild. So God speaks this way to them, it's appalling to us, in order to shock them into to what they uh, were doing. Now, as it relates to government, um, certainly in the Old Testament, certainly as it relates to our government in the United States of America, is that people that are in these positions of authority are to be public servants. That's what they're to be. They are there to serve the public. They are in those positions because uh, they are needed. They're in a God-ordained position. But that's what they're there for, is to serve the public. Something very dangerously gets backwards, as we see it here, when these leaders now view um, themselves as no longer servants to the public, but now the public is there to victimize. I don't know, as you look at uh, government on a state level, I won't say on a local level because I think that's still an exception, not just in Modesto but elsewhere. But when you look at government on a state level or on a federal level in this country, how often do you get a sense that what they're doing is for the citizen? That the decisions are made on the basis of what is best for the citizens as opposed to what is best for the machine? And, and, uh, and more and more, it's hard to see that kind of attitude of government toward the people. And it's always a bad, uh, bad line that gets crossed when that line gets crossed. And it certainly did uh, in uh, Judah with the leaders there. And then the Lord said what He would do in judgment on this. Then they, these that are being uh, treated so badly by this system, uh, then they will cry out to the Lord, uh, or, or these, uh, when the judgment came upon the southern kingdom of Judah by the Babylonians, uh, these judges, these rulers would then cry out to the Lord, uh, but He will not hear them. He will even hide His face from them at that time because they have been evil in their deeds. Uh, the callousness, the, the lack of mercy that they had shown to others, God said, I will show... Uh, uh, a, a lack of mercy to them in that day of judgment. And then he moves on to speak of the prophets. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who make my people stray, who chant peace while they chew with their teeth, and, uh, but who prepare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. And so the imagery is an interesting one where somebody would come for a prophecy from a prophet, and if they gave them something to eat, and here's the prophet chewing on the food that has been brought to them, well, uh, it, then they would have a positive prophecy for that person. But the person who wasn't able to provide that to them, uh, they would pre uh, prepare war against him and, and give him uh, negative uh, prophecies concerning what God thinks of them or what God would, would do to them. So the prophets were in it uh, for uh, the money. Everything was driven by, uh, by uh, money, even the things that were supposed to be identified exclusively with God. 
And then his judgment upon these prophets, therefore you shall have a night without vision, and you shall have darkness without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be dark for them. Well, it's bad enough when the night is dark, but when the day is dark, you're in trouble. And, uh, and so the seers shall be ashamed, and the diviners abashed. Indeed, they shall uh, all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. And so God says, you don't want to deliver um, my word to my people uh, fairly, and, uh, and you're allowing it to be judged by who can grease your palms with money or, or stuff your face with, with food, then I'm going to stop speaking uh, to you, and you'll have nothing to say uh, to them at all. And then uh, Micah speaks out in the midst of all of this, and he says, but, I, uh, but truly I am full of power by the Spirit of God uh, and of justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. And so Micah takes and he stands against this example that is all around him, and he says, I am not going to become like what these men have become. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I will speak God's truth, no matter uh, who it is that's in front of me, uh, related to how he sees things, and related to Jacob in, uh, in uh, their state of transgression to confront both the southern kingdom and northern kingdom with their, uh, with their sin. And now hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel who abhor justice and uh, pervert all equity, who build up Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem uh, with iniquity. And so the Lord now confronts the rulers, He confronts, confronts the priests and the prophets over their sin and their greed and over their, their uh, hypocrisy. And He begins with the rulers here and uh, uh, the, the fact that this, uh, they abhorred justice, they perverted all, all justice and fairness. Uh, Zion was being built up, Jerusalem was being built up with bloodshed and uh, sin and iniquity there in verse 10. In other words, sin had become so rampant and undealt with by the rulers and the priests and by the prophets that now in Jerusalem and in Judah as a whole, crime paid. Uh, it paid to be a criminal, and it didn't pay to be a righteous person. And always when that becomes characteristic of a city or characteristic of a nation, it's always a failure on the part of leaders. And it's historically always been uh, the case. And so it was uh, with them as well. And their heads judge for a bribe, their uh, priests uh, teach for pray, uh, pay, rather, and her prophets divine for money. Uh, yet they lean on the Lord and say, uh, is not the Lord among us, no harm can come to us. And so the idea was, uh, yes, uh, we know that we're corrupt, we know that we're crooked, we know that we're, we even know that we're dominated by covetousness and greed, but we are God's people. And uh, we are unique in all of the world, and, uh, and as a result of that, no harm uh, can come among us. And of course, the temple was in the midst of Jerusalem, and, and they were treating all of it like a, a good luck charm, like a rabbit's foot, and uh, 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 thinking that uh, uh, God couldn't judge them because they professed to be a Christian, or they, 
uh, they profess to uh, be of the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And therefore, God says, because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field, Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the mountain uh, of the temple like the bare hills of a forest. Speaking of the destruction that would come upon the temple and upon Jerusalem uh, when God chastened the southern kingdom of Judah through, uh, 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 through Babylon. And then uh, as he's, Micah is prophesying related to uh, these things, he kind of jumps here as we get into um, chapter 4, and he moves into prophecy related to Zion's future uh, judgment. And so chapters 4 and uh, future glory, rather, chapters 4 and 5, uh, he, he turns away from the corruption of man's government and uh, Judah's government at the time uh, to a future when a righteous government is going to be established. And that means he's going to start talking about the Messiah uh, here at this point. An easy way to, to break up and understand that kind of from a bird's eye view of chapter uh, 4 and chapter 5 is that chapter 4 describes the future kingdom of the Messiah. Chapter 5, five describes uh, the Messiah himself, the future uh, king. And so he speaks of the coming reign of, of the Lord in, in Jerusalem and, uh, and declares, now it shall come to pass in the latter days. So he's talking about the timing, the latter days. And he says, in that time that the mountain of the Lord's house, talking about uh, the Temple Mount there in Jerusalem where the temple was, would be destroyed by Babylon, but one day again uh, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of, of the mountains and shall be exalted uh, above the hills and peoples shall uh, flow into it. And so a day in the, in the kingdom age, the thousand year reign of Christ following Jesus' second coming, uh, a temple will be rebuilt and even some sacrifices will be reinstituted and so forth and, uh, and, and the, the people will flow uh, to, uh, to that temple uh, in Jerusalem. Many nations uh, shall come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, that is to the temple complex, to the house of the God of Jacob. And, and so uh, uh, the entire world, many nations, here as Jesus establishes His kingdom age, nations will come, not just the Jews, they will come to Jerusalem in order to worship the Lord in, in that temple, and, uh, and they will come with a great hunger uh, for uh, God's Word. You notice He will teach us, speaking of the Messiah, uh, He will teach us His ways, and we will walk in His paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, uh, the Word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And so imagine uh, a world that's coming in the future in which Jesus reigns in, in the world for a thousand years, and the entire world is, is run and governed on the basis of the Word of God. That's the standard. That's the basis. And, and we're going to see what the world could actually be if the whole world just obeyed what is found in the book in, in, that we have on our laps right now. It's going to be an amazing thing 
and, and then uh, w- what life will be like uh, as a result. So there'll be that hunger uh, for the Word of God, and then speaking of, uh, of Messiah, uh, He shall judge between many peoples, uh, Jew and Gentile alike, and rebuke strong nations uh, afar off. Anyone that wants to rebel against His rule during that thousand-year reign will be dealt with uh, firmly. They'll be uh, rebuked. Uh, and, and for a really close-up look at all of this, Psalm 2 is a very good uh, place to to turn. He's going to rule with a rod of iron, uh, and uh, as is necessary for this um, kingdom age to characterize him, his nature, and and his his word. And the result will be that they shall turn their swords into plowshares and uh, their uh, spears into uh, pruning hooks. Weaponry will be changed into agricultural implements, so to speak. In other words, you think about what the world would be like uh, if there was no money being spent on armaments, on military. If there was no need for a court system in any country, no need for a police force, no need for uh, jails, no need for prisons. Think about the sheer amount of money that goes into trying to keep some uh, facade of civilization upon the world that we live in. And because Jesus will rule with a rod of iron, in other words, there'll be no monkey business. Nobody gets to rebel against Him. It'll be wonderful. But any oddball that wants to try, it's not going to be put up with. And, uh, and, and so, there not being a need for or for weaponry or law enforcement. It will be uh, what he does. Uh, it'll bring tremendous prosperity uh, to the world. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn uh, war anymore. And then here is the consequence of it. But everyone uh, here on an individual basis during the kingdom age under Jesus, the Messiah, but everyone shall sit under his own vine and under his uh, fig tree. And uh, no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth uh, of the Lord of hosts has spoken of it. So there'll be individual peace. There'll be, um, uh, not only will there not be hunger, uh, 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 deprivation related to food, everyone will be, uh, have all the food that they need, and then with it, peace. Uh, you have food or you have wealth today or whatever it might be, and, uh, and you realize um, how hard you have to work to protect it. I mean, just in terms of online thieves, always we're hearing about these breaks into whatever, and uh, 60 million people's accounts are now in the hands of some very nice person in Russia or Nigeria or wherever they may be uh, doing this. And, uh, but to have plenty, and because everybody has plenty, and everybody loves the Lord, they want to walk with the Lord, uh, all of it will be secure. For all people, will, uh, for all people uh, walk in the name of his God, uh, talking about uh, it, it, at that time in Israel's history, people, they, they worship their, their God, they walk with their different God, and then now Micah contrasts the, the gods that the world worships with uh, the, the Lord himself, but we walk in the name uh, of the Lord our God forever and ever. Now, uh, the Lord God is the only God who will be worshipped forever and ever. Uh, All other worship of all other gods will be brought to an end, a disappointing end. 
at some particular point. He's the only one that will be worshipped forever and ever. And in that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame, I will gather the outcast and those whom I have afflicted. I will make uh, the lame a remnant and the outcast a strong nation. And so the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on, even forever. And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you uh, shall it come even uh, the former uh, dominion shall come, the kingdom uh, of the daughter of uh, Jerusalem. And so, uh, as, he, as he speaks here of, uh, of, of this uh, future and how he's going to treat people in contrast to the way that uh, they were treated by um, uh, uh, their, their leaders and this beautiful future restoration that's going to follow uh, their uh, their chastening. And then um, uh, uh, as we turn here uh, to verse 9, uh, Micah uh, turns then to the immediate uh, situation uh, and uh, that Judah must go into uh, captivity to Babylon for her sin. Now, why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in your midst? Has your counselor perished? for uh, pangs have seized, on, uh, seized you like a woman in labor. So when the Babylonian army would come in and ultimately defeat them, remember prophecy is history in advance. We read it as history. This was all future for them. And all of it came to pass, 100%. And uh, so he talks about uh, the, the fear that will grip both men and women. It'll be like the birth pangs gripping uh, a woman in labor at, at that moment. I don't think you can do a lot uh, when, you're, when you're gripped with uh, a, a fear that is like uh, birth pangs. Uh, be in pain and, and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in birth pangs. For now you shall go forth from the city uh, dispossessed into the Babylonian captivity from Jerusalem, and you shall dwell in the field, and to Babylon you shall go, there you shall be delivered, there the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. And of course, the Lord would bring them back from uh, Babylonian captivity. The interesting thing here is it relates to verse 10, as he speaks to the southern kingdom of Judah about going into captivity to the Babylonians, when the Babylonians were just kind of a glorified tribe at this particular point in time. Assyria was the great world-ruling empire at the time that Micah speaks this, and yet within a hundred years, the hundred years between the fall of the northern kingdom of Israel to Assyria, the fall of the southern kingdom of Judah to the Babylonians, the Babylonians would become themselves the world-dominating uh, uh, empire, and they would then be the ones that would uh, defeat the southern kingdom. So anyone reading this would think, what are you talking about Babylon? I mean, this, uh, the Assyrian empire is going to last a million years. Uh, and yet, this is exactly, it occurred uh, as, um, as Micah prophesied uh, that, it, that it would occur. Uh, occur. And then now uh, Micah declares, uh, coming uh, back uh, to uh, the present uh, time, uh, and now takes us back not to a prophetic time, uh, but uh, to what was going on at that time, now also Many nations have gathered against you. 
who say, let her be defiled and let our eye look upon Zion. Let's uh, destroy her and pillage her for ourselves. She was on the menu of a lot of nations that would have liked to have uh, 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 taken advantage of her in that way. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord, nor do they understand His counsel for he shall gather them like sheaves to the threshing floor. So they did what people have always done to the Jews and always done to God's people, uh, whether uh, uh, Jewish and, uh, or whether uh, Christian in the new, new Covenant. They underestimated, they misunderstood God's chastening of His people as an evidence that He had ceased to love them. And they underestimated the love of God for His people and His commitment to His purposes uh, in, in their lives. Remember, God has a lot of purposes yet for the Jewish people at this particular point of time, even in their apostasy. The Messiah hasn't even been born in human history yet. And, uh, and, and so they, they haven't even approached what uh, God raised them up as a people for. And, uh, and because... They didn't understand the love of God uh, and, and His heart toward them. Uh, they thought that they would have uh, be able to, um, uh, to uh, uh, judge them in a, in a final kind of way. Arise and thresh, O daughter uh, of Zion, for I will make your horn iron, and I will make your hooves uh, bronze, and you will beat in pieces many peoples. I will consecrate their grain, uh, their gain rather, to the Lord, and their substance to the Lord of the whole earth. And so, kind of a, a, a near and a far fulfillment here related to this prophecy. Um, probably on a near fulfillment basis, it speaks of the fact of when the Assyrian army under Sennacherib uh, came right to the gates of Jerusalem after having conquered most of Judah, uh, when they conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. You remember that God sent out an angel one night, killed 185,000 uh, frontline Assyrian troops because Assyria was not going to conquer Jerusalem. Babylon was a hundred years later. And so God stands by His Word, and, uh, and, and so that kind of supernatural defeat that occurred. It also probably in a far fulfillment speaks of the battle of Armageddon when these three great nations or three great forces will come together in Megiddo uh, intent upon spoiling uh, Jerusalem and fighting for Jerusalem, fighting for uh, the spoil uh, of the city, and Jesus will return. And, uh, and, and then uh, destroy them in what is a very, very short battle known as the Battle of Armageddon. And at that time, the Jewish people in that, as he speaks here, I will make your horn uh, iron and I will make your hooves bronze. Now, uh, you're talking about a, a, a steer or a ram. If you have a steer, uh, the only thing worse than the natural horn that a steer has in terms of being a danger to you is if it was a horn of iron. Uh, the only thing that makes their hooves more dangerous is if they had uh, hooves of, uh, of bronze and, and they were coming uh, against you. And so God was saying that He would make them supernaturally strong against their enemies on, on, the, uh, on the short term and on, on the far term. And then we come into uh, chapter 5, and here's this beautiful description 
uh, having described the, the kingdom uh, of the Messiah, now he begins to destry, describe the Messiah, one of the beautiful portraits of Jesus uh, in the Old Testament, Micah chapter 5. Now gather yourself in troops, um, uh, O daughter of troops. He has laid siege against us. They shall strike the judge of Israel with a rod uh, on the cheek. And so uh, this verse uh, uh, probably appears to speak of the prophecy of that future conquest of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. Judah was called to uh, prepare for this battle. The conquest in that, it related to that battle will involve a siege, uh, Micah says. The net result of the battle will be uh, the personal uh, humiliation uh, of the judge of Israel, that is the king of Israel, King Zedekiah. Uh, when, you, when an enemy or anyone uh, strikes a, a, another person on the cheek, uh, that's, an, that's an indication of humiliation. And, and the victim is so defenseless in the circumstances uh, that they can't even, he can't even defend his face. The person can do whatever he wants to them. And God is saying that King Zedekiah and the southern kingdom of, of Judah and Jerusalem will be that defenseless before the Babylonians uh, one day. And again, all of it occurred a hundred years later, just as uh, Micah uh, prophesied. This, dis this description of uh, the leader of uh, Judah at the time of her uh, fall before Babylon simply sets the stage now for this beautiful description of Jesus that begins in verse 2. And, uh, and, and so uh, the, the new boss that will come in one day, uh, he's nothing like uh, the old boss. And so the contrast given to us by that first word in verse 2, but now in contradistinction to uh, the, these wicked kings that you had, but you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, uh, though you are little among the thousands uh, of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in uh, Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. And so uh, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem, and he, uh, Micah identifies it as, as Bethlehem Aphrata because there were a couple of Bethlehems at that time. So it makes very specific what Bethlehem he's talking about, the Bethlehem we know as, as Bethlehem uh, today. And he describes Bethlehem as not being really a great city. Uh, it's kind of an insignificant city. It was little among the thousands of cities uh, in, in Judah. In the, in the kind of uh, listing of all of the cities and villages in, uh, in Joshua chapter 15, Nehemiah chapter 11, uh, detailing where all of the different clans of Israel had, had settled all of their cities. Uh, Bethlehem is not mentioned among them. And so out of this, this mo most insignificant city among, uh, even in Israel, uh, it would bring forth the most uh, preeminent person in, in human history. And of course, where was Jesus born? Albuquerque. No, he's born in Bethlehem. Do we have anybody in the room tonight that, that was born in Bethlehem? Just for the tape, I'm scanning presently. Well, then none of you can be the Messiah. 
Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem, as, as Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and, uh, 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 and it took uh, Caesar giving the decree that everyone should return to their hometown uh, in order to be taxed for that to happen. So that Mary could go at, at eight months pregnant from the city of Nazareth all the way down into Bethlehem. So the Messiah could be born there in Bethlehem. God, God was just guiding uh, 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 all of, of those things. Now you would think if you were writing the Bible, uh, and if you w- were able to give any kind of uh, considerable thought to it, where would you have Jesus born? Jerusalem. Jerusalem, of course. That would be the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae. But he doesn't have him born in, in Jerusalem. He declared uh, here all these hundreds of years prior to Jesus' birth that he would be born uh, in Bethlehem. And you notice the purpose of his his birth uh, there. Yet uh, out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. And so he would come in to be the king of Israel, to rule Israel. And then uh, Micah declares that this Messiah will also be divine. He will be eternal, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. And the Hebrew word that is used here for everlasting, uh, it, it, it is the strongest Hebrew word for eternity. Speaking of Jesus' pre-existence, and, uh, and they point to the fact that Messiah would be eternal. He would uh, 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 eternally existent and speaking of his uh, deity because that's only true of God. And, and so it's really quite a, a, a portrait here that is uh, painted for us. And then in verse 3, it would have been nice if things stopped in verse 2, but it goes on, Micah, as he prophesies concerning the king, therefore he, that is God the Father, shall give them up. Speaking about the children, uh, the Jewish people, he'll give them up because of their uh, rejection uh, of the Messiah, of Jesus, as, as their uh, Messiah. And so it, de- it describes the Jewish people now currently in the church age between the time of their rejection uh, of Jesus as Messiah to the day when they will accept him as their Messiah uh, at his, his second coming. And until the time that she who is in labor has given uh, birth, speaking of the fact that a time of travail was, um, was going to come uh, upon the nation, speaking in the short term of, of a Babylonian captivity, but in the, the far fulfillment, speaking of the seven-year tribulation, uh, that would come, is to come to Israel. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. It uniquely has to do with the Jews. And uh, uh, that, uh, will, uh, 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 that will come to them as a result of their rejection of their Messiah. And then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children uh, of Israel. And he shall stand, Jesus, as he's in, in the kingdom age now described, uh, Messiah described, he shall stand and feed his flock. He will rule as a shepherd. He will do so in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. And so he will love, he will tend, he will protect, 
and he will do so in his own strength, and uh, he shall be uh, great to the ends of the earth. Jesus at his second coming will establish a universal kingdom uh, in the world. That's what Micah is saying, that the Messiah uh, will do, and this one shall be peace. He will not only bring peace to the entire world, but he will be the source uh, of uh, of of peace and uh, he'll have it within himself he'll be, will bestow it uh, upon uh, upon the world and when the assyrian comes into our land then and when he treads our palaces then we will raise up uh, raise against him seven shepherds and eight princely men they shall waste uh, with the sword the land of Assyria and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. Thus he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and when he uh, treads within our uh, border. And so uh, in, uh, in God the Father's time, uh, he'll come to the earth, the Messiah will. He'll defeat the forces of evil, establish his kingdom age. It appears that Micah uses Assyria. Remember, it was the major rule ruling empire at the time, but very, very wicked. Very wicked. And uh, he uses Assyria uh, as the, to symbolize all of the hostile forces that might uh, attack. Uh, God's people during Messiah's reign and, and kingdom, and they will have no hope of, uh, of being successful uh, at all. It won't be tolerated, and it will be very, very decisively um, uh, dealt with. And then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of uh, many peoples, speaking about the kingdom age now, Jesus' second coming, the kingdom age still talking about the, the full span of the Messiah's ministry in the world. Then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many peoples, speaking about the Gentiles, and among the populations of the world, they'll be like dew from the Lord. Uh, they won't be in the rebellious condition that they were in in Micah's time and through so much of their history. They will be uh, uniformly lovers of God, uh, this remnant that will uh, go into the kingdom age, and uh, they will be a blessing, not only to God, but a blessing to the entire world. And dew is a blessing. It's a source of, of refreshment, like showers on the grass that tarry for no man, uh, nor wait for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many peoples like a lion. So uh, they're going to be uh, like dew in, in terms of refreshment. Uh, they're going to be like a lion in the kingdom age uh, that is unthreatened. A lion isn't afraid of anything in the animal kingdom. They don't like thorns in their paws. I read about that one time. But it, it, they're the king of, of beasts. And so here he's speaking about how they, they're going to be unthreatened. They won't have a concern of being threatened. The Jews have been the most persecuted people in history. Not a bit of that will be allowed during the kingdom, uh, kingdom age. And like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among flocks of sheep, uh, who, if he passes through, both treads down and tears in pieces, and none uh, can uh, deliver. 
and uh, your hand shall be lifted against your adversaries, and all of your enemies shall be cut off. Again, no more anti-Semitism, no more attacking the Jews for, uh, under any circumstances, but certainly not for simply being Jews. And in that day, it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that I will cut off your horses from your midst and destroy your chariots. I will cut off uh, the cities of your land and throw down all your strongholds. In other words, uh, when when Jesus sets up his kingdom age in terms of the Jewish people, in terms of Jerusalem and all where he will rule from that city, uh, he will dismantle all... uh, Uh, military kind of ramparts or protections or walls, get rid of chariots, get rid of any weaponry because none of it will be needed. Uh, He will not uh, allow uh, the the expression of of war and and, uh, violence during the kingdom age. And I will cut off sorceries from your hand, speaking to the Jewish people, and you shall have no soothsayers. Your carved images I will also cut off, and your sacred pillars from your midst, and you shall no more worship the work of your hands, these gods that you have uh, uh, created. I will pluck your wooden images from your midst, and thus I will destroy uh, your cities and execute vengeance and anger and fury on the nations that have not uh, heard. So he will bring an end to all sorcery that was presently being practiced by the Jews at the time when Micah was prophesying. He'll bring an end to all of their uh, idolatry and all wisdom during the kingdom age is going to come from Jesus alone. All worship in the kingdom age will be directed solely uh, at him, and no rebellion against that uh, will be tolerated. And so it's going to be quite a time. I mean, it's going to be beautiful. The Word of God, hunger for the Word of God, Jew and Gentiles uh, uh, seeking after God, seeing what this world can be at the hands of, of the leader, waiting for the leader that can make it what it, it is intended to be. And, uh, and so this beautiful, beautiful history uh, in advance that prophecy is uh, to us. And as surely as all of these prophecies were fulfilled in the coming of Jesus in His first coming, everything related to Him in His second coming is going to come to pass. As surely uh, as the prophecies concerning the fall of, uh, of Jerusalem to Babylon came to pass, every other prophecy that speaks to the future in terms of what the Bible has to say, all of it is going to come to pass with 100% accuracy. We know history in advance, and uh, what a, f- a beautiful uh, peace that, that that gives us. Well, we'll stop there tonight, and uh, I, I want to just shift gears a little bit for partaking of the Lord's Supper, and we'll look at the final third, uh, final uh, uh, sermon and, uh, and prophecy that that Micah uh, uh, gave uh, next week in in chapters 6 and 7.